We're back now with the, another episode of the special Stoops Anomalies. Uh, we started last week. It was an introduction to Kilroy Gansky, who is, interestingly enough, stuck kind of quarantined in a <laughs> orbiting space station. Uh, little did I know all those years ago when I did this, how apropos it would be as I sit and record right now. Uh, here we move into the actual story. It starts getting really fun and cool and bizarre. Uh, where we meet Booby Cooley, a janitor who worked at Area 51. So, uh, without further... Actually, there is further ado. If you are at home, sort of like Kilroy Gansky in that cubicle, and uh, may think that uh, nature is sort of punishing us, think of it as more as nature is giving us an unexpected vacation for ourselves. Use this time. Read those books you haven't read. Write that novel you've always wanted to do. Pick up that dusty instrument that's been sitting around. Learn to knit. Learn to juggle. Spend more time with your cat. Spend more time with your loved ones. Take advantage of this time. Think of it as a gift. And you can always spend your time listening and catching up on all those stoops of Atlantis episodes you've been wanting to get to but just haven't had the time. And I'm going to give you this bonus episode right now. In Orbit Radio Part 2. The stories of Kilroy Gansky. In any event, I've been up here a month. I've been rationing my food, conserving oxygen, and holding my breath ten minutes per hour. And I've been trying to make good use of my time, although I guess the good or bad use of my time is really a delusion. But I guess it helps keep my sanity intact. It kind of holds my head together the way a tape holds on a bed to pay. So I jury rig the parts from a video game machine and a cell phone and some aluminum foil from some preformed meals and the auxiliary power of the satellite, and I've managed to uh, put together a little 20,000-watt radio station. Got a bunch of MP3s to help pass the time, help fill the voids when the silence gets a bit much. And I'm just going to talk. I, I, I'll be honest, I don't know if anyone's hearing me, but if you are, how's it going? This is in-orbit radio. The show is called Night Through the Night. And my name is Kilroy Gansky. Wandering around that planet below me are owners, misfits, outcasts, cave dwellers, closet seekers. And uh, growing up, I remember a few. They're all, they're all around us. They're like, there's a toy. There's a toy I had as a kid. Maybe uh, some of you remember it. It was, I can't remember, recall the, the actual name of it, but it was 
a white box, a bright white box. And uh, you would clip a, a sheet of black paper to its face. Then you would stick these little colored translucent pegs through the paper. And the light, this bright light that was, uh, I can't remember the name of this, I don't know why. The, uh, the light would shine through, through the pegs and almost create a, uh, a sense of having little neon bulbs. And you would create patterns and pictures and, uh, messages and all sorts of, of colorful, bright things with these light, these little lights. And the people that are these loners are sort of like black pegs. At least that's how they see themselves, blending into the background, even though they're connected to the um, same source of light as the rest of us. But in actuality, they were probably the brightest and most original, imaginative light of, of any of us, the brightest peg. The odd round peg that just somehow did not fit in the round hole. And there was one in particular I can remember. He went by the name Booby Coley. It wasn't his given name, it wasn't his confirmation name or anything, it was just a name, a moniker, a, a, a self-appointed, perhaps, edge of honor, I, I don't know. But that's what we called him, Booby Coley. And he lived in an inner world. His clothes were interesting, they were um, polyester, patent leather, matching Pastels, soft colors, greens and blues and pinks and cyans, and it would match. The shoes would match the shirt, and the shirt would match the shorts or the pants. If it was summer, he would sometimes wear a Hawaiian shirt. And he would have matching sunglasses. And I heard, uh, I don't know how true this is, but apparently someone had been in his house and peeked into his closet. And Again, I don't know how, how true this is, but he had everything lined up by color, according to the um, the spectrum, the rainbow spectrum. And the shoes would be lined up on beneath on the floor, and there would be a special holder on the door to uh, hold the sunglasses. And he also uh, had a hobby. He would build model cars, plastic little model cars. Not the kind with engines, just the kind that you just sat on shelves to display. And I hear he had thousands. He was a master builder. He may have actually been the greatest model builder in the world. Uh... They were on every shelf, tabletop, bookcase, wardrobe, TV. And I heard he even had an amphibious vehicle that he kept in his toilet. It was too large to flush, but it was there to remind him of his work. And, uh, there was something about him that uh, only a few knew. He never talked about it. It was a rumor. I had heard. There may even have been a mention on the internet somewhere about it, but... Oh, by the way, if any of you are, uh, if you are listening and you're wondering what that music has been playing, it's, uh, it's Led Zeppelin, uh, T for One. 
great song, great album, Presence. Great band. Anyway, Booby, um, it's been rumored, was a janitor at Area 51. surrounds you with greater clarity. And, you know, clarity, despite the misconceptions, is anything but clear. When your five senses are free from the constant bombardment of entertainment junkies, you know, that are the incessant transmission of gratuitous violence and humorless humor and pointless sex, you begin to look inward. And you discover that the two-digit message waiting light from the other dimension is blinking 99. It kind of makes you wonder about the uh, apparent nuts rant on street corners and empty subway cars. I'm beginning to see that they were maybe perhaps spouting the real illuminations from beyond. And you know, it's supposed to sound insane. It only makes sense if it appears to the average colored peg as gibberish. Since I've been up here, I've um, been closing my eyes and staring into this technicolor cornucopia of inner sensory overload. God, if I know what it means. It's busy in there. Or is it out there? As a, someone once said, as above, so below. I don't know how many of you realize this, but janitors have the ability to become invisible. Actually, let me rephrase that. They have the ability to not be seen by certain people. And the higher the rank, the higher the position, the less likely they'll see the janitor. This is not, this has nothing to do with social strata. It's a physical thing. They literally can't see him. The janitor could walk into an office where they're studying top-secret maps of bases, military campaigns, or they could walk into a corporate office where the latest engine design is being discussed. And the janitor will not be seen. He'll be invisible. Waste paper baskets will lift themselves up magically and empty themselves into a dumpster, and dust will suddenly vanish from shelf tops and Plants will suddenly find that their soil is getting moister as water seems to pour out of thin air into its soil. So if you ever want to find out a secret, if you ever need to find a corporate military secret, don't go to the generals or the secretaries or the VPs or even their spouses. Because they're not going to tell you anyway. Go to the janitor. Because the janitor picks the stuff up by osmosis. Like I was mentioning, oh, what was that? Wow. That was beautiful. A small meteor just uh, careened over Madagascar. It's, it's quite a sight. 
Hmm. Anyway, I mentioned a rumor of Bobby Coyd having been the janitor at Area 51. Now, he never talked about this. But I found out through a, uh, a source, a source I, I, I can't really reveal, it was at one of these uh, parties overlooking Central Park with the uh, Johnny Walker Bull. I found out that, uh, well, he was a, a janitor at Area 51, and he was witness to quite a bit. There's one story, and I finally approached Booby one day and sat him down and sat on a stoop one cool autumn night. Park was quiet. And I mentioned, I just said, Booby, 51. And he looked away and turned back with a little coy smirk and nodded. And he proceeded to talk. He mentioned that one night, it must have been two in the morning, he walked into an office, he doesn't remember what, what area, it was in a, in a separate concert hut in the uh, southern area of Area 51. It served as an office complex for the higher rank Air Force officers and special projects and there was even a, uh, an officer's club had a, uh, an alien theme, sort of a, it's an inside thumbing of the nose at the public and the conspiracy theorists. And he walked in, uh, in an office in a whack and an alien were making love on the desk. He said the room smelled like olive oil, ammonia, and stale cheese. They didn't notice him. Like, again, yeah, even aliens don't see, don't see janitors. But he got nervous and he ducked behind a, an easel that had a map on it of southern New Zealand, I think, and uh, he mentioned. And he watched them through a small tear in the map and found himself getting oddly aroused. They weren't doing it the way humans would do it. They were... The whack was using her foot on the lower back of this alien. Uh, he had some sort of a twisty, spirally appendage. But then suddenly, the whack cocked an ear and looked toward the map. Booby got very nervous. He said he, he, he wanted to run. He didn't know what to do. He just froze. He just stood there. And they stopped their lovemaking and walked behind the easel. He found himself face to face with a rather lovely uh, brunette whack. Very pale skin. Ruby lips. Deep blue eyes. And this alien who was a, uh, a gray. Typical large head. Almond eyes. Small mouth. No lips. Little, little nose that can barely was a bump on its surface. Long arms, long fingers, oblong body, and this definite smell of olive oil, ammonia, and stale cheese. By the way, uh, anybody is hearing this, I have no clue, but if, if anyone should be listening, you may want to drop uh, NASA or uh, even CNN, I don't care, drop them a note, tell them up here, maybe they could send a ship. I have a decent amount of food left, and I seem to have enough oxygen, but yeah, give them a call, drop them a line, you can email them, whatever, just mention I'm up here in the spy satellite. 
the annex on the spy satellite. I wouldn't want them to come up and look, search the satellite and not find me in the compartment next to it. Uh, anyway, so uh, Booby stopped talking, sitting on the stoop, and uh, chill in the air. It was a great autumn, October, I believe. It may have been close to Halloween. Because I remember seeing uh, people in costume, devils and witches, and um, giant Mickey rat. And, uh, yeah, it must have been Halloween. And he didn't want to talk anymore. He, he, he was kind of embarrassed by the story. By even just thinking about it, remembering it, he was he was blushing. So he just kind of ran his fingers through his large pompadour hair and got up about to leave. And uh, he walked off, but he wasn't walking off. To back to Pleasant Avenue where he lived, he was walking westward. So I said, where, where are you going? I'd love to hear the rest of that story. And he goes, nah, just want to take a walk. I said, sure, where? He goes, downtown. It's like, now? It's, it's not pretty late. He goes, well, I do this every Wednesday night. I just walk. I walk into the night. I walk the quiet streets of Manhattan and I just observe. Why don't you come? It's it's, it's interesting. It's enlightening. It's uh, invigorating. I didn't really want to walk all that, but I figured it might be a good story in it. So we walked. We wound up on the west side. I believe we wound up in the teens. It's quite a walk. It's at least seven miles. And the whole time he, he barely said a word. Every once in a while, he would look at a building and pump his fists and say, I love that building. Or he would look at a store window and comment on the the lifelessness of mannequins or a particular product that he was going to buy his mother for Christmas. Usually plastics and old clothing racks. He said his mother collected clothing racks. He, He used them for his models. She never really used them for clothing anyway. We found ourselves on a quiet street, but there was a distant music playing, like a stereo leaking out of the uh, upper window of this uh, loft, once an old warehouse. So I asked him about the music. I said, is that music normally that loud? And he says, well, the, the guy that owns the, the loft has a lot of parties. He told me he never went to one of them, but uh, they had become friends, and so I... uh I convinced Booby to uh, go to the party. I said, what the heck, we go, meet your friend, have a drink, maybe meet a couple of available gorgeous women, and whatever. He shrugged and was pretty disinterested, but he agreed, since he had dragged me out. So we entered this old industrial building, entered this uh, humongous elevator. It's one of the uh, gated type opened on all sides. Could have fit a, a pickup truck on this. In fact, there were muddy tire tracks on the floor of it. And we rose, I would say, six stories, and it opened right into the large loft apartment of his friend, Peter Penchant. Well, they're at the party, so uh, we'll see where this continues, see how this odd story goes in the next episode of Stoops Anomalies. Until then, be well.